0: Welcome to another episode of Unleashing the Future of Work, Guy Live B2B jam session, your favorite jam session. Today, I'm actually not in Oakland, California. Today, I am in Culver City, California, have been hanging out for the weekend and week with a few friends out here. But nevertheless, I still have an amazing guest for today's live jam session. And you are probably dying to know who it is. But before I get into who it is, I want to show you some love wherever you're tuning in from. If you're tuning in from the Bay Area, Our lovely guest today is actually from the Bay Area. If you're tuning in from Oakland, much love to you. Hopefully, you've gotten your breakfast, you've gotten your lunch, and you're about to get your dinner pretty, pretty soon. With that said, if you're tuning in from international waters, we always have a lot of international listeners. Hope you're handling and taking care of yourself. Happy, happy, happy Thursday or Friday, wherever you're tuning in from, whether it be the UK, Nigeria, Please let's end SARS and let's end police brutality. Make sure you all are safe there. And fundamentally, if you're do- tuning in from the UK, because we always have a lot of UK audiences, um, audience members as well, much love to you. And hopefully you're having a great day so far. With that said, I don't know if some of you have heard of Craft Ventures, but Craft Ventures is an early stage VC fund dedicated to the craft of building great companies. And I'm excited to dive deep on today's episode with David Sachs, who is the co-founder of and general Partner of Kraft. He has been a successful tech entrepreneur and investor for two decades, building and investing in some of the most iconic companies of the last twenty years. He's invested in over twenty unicorns, from the firms to the Airbnbs to the Birds to the Van Bryce to the Facebook House. You name it. And today, I'm going to dive deep with him on movement marketing, which is like my favorite word right now. Movement marketing, definitely because I believe in this idea of leading your startup and building your company as a movement. And literally, David <laughs> David literally wrote a great blog around it, which was really, really, really interesting to me. So I wanted him to come in and let's dissect it and really talk about how do we define movement marketing in this era of new platform companies that are coming up. And I'm also going to ask him a few questions on what are some of the trends that he's seeing in the SaaS marketplace and some of the best movement marketers that he's seeing rise out of this time. With that said, let's show let's show us some love to David. And if you are tuning in, you have questions. You already know I got you. I'm going to be dishing out the questions to David, and I think we're going to be excited to answer them. With that said, David, how's it going, man?
1: Hey, Tim, great to be with you. Thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> Thank you for making time. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Yeah, yeah. With that said, you know, have you had your breakfast? Have you had lunch? Are you, what <laughs> what are you eat for today, man? What did I eat? Um,
1: I had I had breakfast, and and that's basically it. I. uh <laughs> I, I kind of I do uh I kind of do a single meal for breakfast and lunch. Yeah, no, no. I'm mo- very most my, Yeah, m- most of my day is just doing Zooms. So, I'm just <laughs> zooming all day.
0: No, and, I, I, and I'm sure Zoom fatigue is a real thing for you by now, right? It
1: is, yeah. No, it's um <laughs> you know, I get up in the morning and I walk over to my office and then I'm on Zoom the whole day and then I work back you know walk back to the house and that's it so yeah
0: you know let me ask you uh dave you know you you wrote a really great blog post recently around movement marketing you know we'd love for you to share a little bit more about movement marketing how do you define
1: it yeah um so The the, the, Yeah, the the, the piece, um, the article I wrote really encourages founders to think of themselves as not just building a product or even a company, but rather a a movement. If you look at the companies that seem to have the greatest change in the world and you look at what their founders are trying to do, um, they don't just talk about, you know, Uh, their product features, they don't just talk about dollars and cents and quarterly earnings and revenue. They articulate a vision of the future that attracts um, followers, that attracts adherents, And they they talk about a larger mission and change they want to make in the world. Um, In other words, they create a a movement. And so I started, you know, analyzing the, the, the techniques that the most successful founders use To do this, and um, and that collection of techniques is what I call movement marketing. Mm,
0: mm, mm. And you know, I think it's it's such a powerful concept because it's so relevant to I think some of the greatest companies who have scaled um, that you've invested in, such as Airbnb, who really led their own movements by building amazing, amazing brands. You know, for you, how do you think startup founders can approach being at the forefront of their movements?
1: Yeah. I mean, so I think that the starting point is if you're a founder, you you need to think about what's the larger cause that your startup stands for. And you need to define what that cause is. What is the change that you want to make in the world? Um, You know, Peter Thiel, who I worked with at at PayPal, said that the best startups are like a cult that believes in something true. And, you know, there's like a a fanaticism. But but but. But unlike a, you know most most cults which believe in something just totally false or preposterous, the the, the best startups are sort of like a cult that believes in something true and 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 that and so the thing to think about is well what what is that that mission that your startup stands for because in, you need to be able to describe you know the the change you're seeking to bring about why it's important why people will benefit from it because what you're really trying to do with movement marketing is get people to give you their attention for free, right? Mm. This is not, this is not paid marketing with, with paid marketing, you're buying people's attention with movement marketing. You're asking people to give you some of their attention for free and you know, no one's going to give you their attention. Just if you only stand for yourself, you know, Mm. have to stand for a cause larger than yourself. So I always think it starts with defining that larger cause.
0: Mm, mm. You know, and it's so powerful because with uh, with Airbnb and, and, and a few of the companies who have really led movements with their, with their platforms, whether it be even the Facebooks of the world, you know, there was a singular mission that everyone abided by and allowed them to really, really scale to where they're at now. You know, for you as someone that's an investor in a variety of different companies and you're seeing all of the startups that are popping up around COVID 19 or even pre COVID 19, you know, uh, how do you kind of encourage founders to think about uh, building? for a movement right because i think anyone can build a startup nowadays but it's harder to build a movement around that for that product or idea Mm -hmm. yeah i mean the the
1: the the thing you have to do i guess in in thinking about this type of marketing is you've got to up level you know too many founders Mm -hmm. are sort of in the weeds of their their product features the product that they're building that's natural because i think most founders start with a very specific product and they know what it is that they're building. But in order to do this kind of movement marketing, you have to up-level the message and explain to people why it matters. So, for example, I mean, the two examples I give in the article, the, the two companies I think do this extremely well are Tesla and Salesforce. So hmm. when Elon you know, talks about Tesla's mission, he talks about moving the world to sustainable energy. You know, hmm. they're not making cars over there. Uh, And they're not even just making electric cars or even the best electric car um, or the best car period. He's doing all those things. But what he talks about first is moving the world to sustainable energy. That is the overall mission and change they're trying to bring about in the world. And if you go to like any Tesla product event, any Tesla launch event where they unveil a new car, Elon will always begin by talking about the need to move the world to sustainable energy. Now, after that, he will bring the conversation down to earth by showing the latest product, the new car, the new features of that car, why it's so awesome, why it goes zero to 60 faster than, you know, the alternatives and, and so yeah. on. So, you know, th- he will get to the product, you know, this is not, you, you can't ignore the product, the product is the heart of what you're selling, but he manages to up-level the message mm. into this, this larger, um, you know, this larger cause and it's that cause that really attracts this passionate community around Tesla. It's the it's the combination of that that cause and, and having a great product. And so, you know, founders frequently, you know, they 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 only have have one piece of it. You know, they um, you know, they may have a product, but they haven't really thought about how to uplevel the 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 message, or maybe they've got like a great message, but they haven't really figured out how to nail the product. And what you really want to do is combine those two things.
0: Mm. No, I love this point of really up leveling the messaging and focusing on the core narrative at a high level, which is driving sustainable change in the case of Elon. But for whatever your product is, is what is that? You know, in product, they often say, is what is the as is state? And then what is the to be state? And really staying at that layer of the narrative versus really just going at it and getting into the weeds first with the product because the product. In itself, if it's a good product, it'll sell itself. And, you know, I, I really find this powerful. David, I want to kind of get your thoughts on because you're pretty active on social media and, you know, a lot of investors use social media to you know, find great talent or even the next big startups. You know, how do you think how important is social media for founders who want to get the word out on their movement? You know, I really I recently actually read a, a study literally on Twitter today that said that a lot of founders who actually are social first and they're building in public, they actually see um, a lot more investment interest and they are maybe more likely to, to do well. Do you agree with that? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I do. I mean, when I was a founder and running my company Yammer, I would take to social media, mostly Twitter, but you know there are others, Facebook, and there are other platforms as well, uh, to promote what I was doing. And sometimes you're promoting a product, a new release, but it could also be a milestone, some new funding or customer announcements or just a point of view that you have. And I think it's really important to be on these platforms evangelizing for your your message, because otherwise, if you're not doing it yourself, you're having to work through somebody else's channel and your message gets heavily filtered. You know, you can't Mm -hmm. just depend on other people to tell the story for you. Um, You know, one mistake that I think founders make is that they, Rely on, say, the press or, or media uh, to tell their story for them, and, wow. um, and 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 I think it makes sense to work with press or influencers, but you need to tell the story directly yourself because you know nobody else can tell the story as well as you can.
0: Oh wow, yeah, and as you know, one of one of the, uh, my good friends once told me you have to always control the narrative. Yep.
1: Yeah, because I think you know, especially when it comes to technology and Silicon Valley and tech startups the things that the tech reporters want to talk about are not necessarily what you want to talk about. So for example, Mm -hmm. you know, most of the tech reporters um, they want to know about what's your valuation and how much money did you raise and when are you going to IPO? And frankly, those are questions that aren't really that interesting to your movement. Mm -hmm. Uh, Frankly, they're inside baseball. They're the kinds of things that Silicon Valley insiders care about and it's not really helpful to your movement to be talking about that kind of inside baseball. So, you wanna make sure that you're always serving your movement, not the insider's game. And the best way to do that is to tell the story yourself.
0: Yeah, and and that's a powerful. Like, so if you're listening- to your- And you
1: you look at Elon, right? I mean, he's got this massive channel. In fact, it's pretty amazing that I, I just read somewhere that, that Tesla um, abolished its PR department. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's like an extreme that's version. Crazy. Yeah, it's kind of like, look, Elon's saying, I'm gonna tell the story myself. I've got a gigantic following on Twitter. What's he up to? Like millions of followers? Yeah. It's um, true. I, I don't need, you know, like I don't need to tell Tesla's story through other people's publications. I have my mm-hmm. own publication, my own platform, and we're going to tell the story that way. And so, yeah, you want to start as a founder, you know, you want to start building your own platform. Um, I mean, I've started doing this myself too, where I've got my Twitter account. Um, I've also started doing a podcast with some friends. Um, We call it the All In Podcast. I'm doing it with Jason Kalkanis and Chamath uh, Palihapitiya and David Freeberg. And so we, you know, every couple of weeks we do a podcast. So, you know, I think everybody now is realizing that they have to build their own communication platform if they want to get their message out.
0: Yeah, no, it's such a powerful, powerful point of view too, because it goes back to controlling the narrative, but also the fact that, you know, one of the things that I study uh, is the creator economy. You know, Elon is for sure one of like the the world's leading innovators. And the thing is, he has the platform. So if you have the platform, then you have an amazing technology platform of a company. Is that why would you have someone else, uh, whether it be, you know, publications, online media firms that often sometimes kind of skew the narrative, why would you Mm -hmm. have them tell the story that you can tell best and you can control the narrative? And and I love this um, modern day example because I think a lot of founders often, you know, when they first start building companies, they think that the best the best place to kind of get the message out is to go to a PR firm or to go to, you know, online media channels. But you know, what you're kind of, kind of moving things that, that no, it's like, just keep telling the story, telling the story and finding your believers.
1: Yes, yes, I totally agree with that. I mean, the first thing you have to have is a point of view, right? You've got to have something, of a narrative worth worth telling. And I think it's fine to, to you know, Talk to reporters in the early days, but the most important thing is to is to build your own platform with your own point of view, and that starts, I guess, with having a Twitter account. Um, But Mm. you know, you have have something that's you know, you have to have something to say. You know, you have to have an interesting perspective. I'll give you another example. Um, You know, who I think has done this amazingly well is Mark Benioff at Salesforce. He is, yeah, he's absolutely one of the best. Um, marketing CEOs in Silicon Valley. And I think what's interesting about the Salesforce example is that what Salesforce is doing isn't necessarily inherently the most interesting subject matter, right? I mean, wow. it's CRM. What Elon <laughs> is doing, yeah, you know, I mean, with those like electric cars, it's that's cool. I mean, those are like the fastest cars on the planet. They're really cool, sexy products. But what Benioff is marketing at Salesforce is CRM. And so what Benioff shows is that even if your product is, you know, it's a business product, it's not something that is inherently going to be of interest to the average consumer, it's still possible to Hmm. create a point of view and a narrative that really up levels the conversation and gets people's attention. And the thing that Benioff did is that right at the beginning, he realized that it was all about the cloud. You know it mm. wasn't about crm it wasn't about sales software even though that was technically his product it was all about the cloud and mm. so he adopted this narrative from the very very beginning of salesforce that that salesforce was going to represent this transition of business to the cloud and so he then created this this uh no software mantra with a 1-800 no software phone number and this no software logo with the word software crossed out. And so he kind of made software his enemy um, and made uh, cloud the sort of the antithesis of software was the thing that he was gonna promote over software. And that was like a much larger framing of what he was trying to do than just promoting CRM. And mm-hmm. so by by up-leveling the, the, the message and the framing of what he was trying to do, it made Salesforce punch way above its weight class it made them way more interesting to a much larger number of people and the the proof of that sort of today is that dreamforce is now the largest tech conference over 70,000 people pilgrimage to dreamforce every year at least wow. in the year we don't have you know before covid and so he was able to up level the message in a way that made salesforce into the largest tech conference which is pretty amazing
0: yeah. And, you know, that Salesforce has built a huge, huge community that they've been nurturing for almost, upwards to 20 years now, almost, um, I believe. Uh, and and, and it, it continues to grow. Uh, you know, and I think that brings me to my next question for you, Mr. Sachs is, you know, why do you believe nurturing a strong community is so important? Um, to movement marketing, and you know, you've had uh, a familiar experience in this space uh, with some of the past companies that you built. Um, so, you know, how do founders approach that? Because there are founders who are great technologists, there are founders who are great product people, but it's very few founders who are evangelists and community empowers. Right. So, what what would you be your framework for how founders should think about nurturing a strong community to lead their movement?
1: Yeah, I mean, so first of all, I think we should define exactly what the word community means, because I think different people have different perspectives on that. And I define a community in a very specific way, which is a community is a place for your customers to learn from each other, your customers mm-hmm. and supporters to learn from each other. Now, when you're on social media, that's that's a different kind of community, I guess you could say. But that's that's you broadcasting to as many people as you can reach. And, and that's yeah. important. But that's different than your customers learning from each other and there's something very very powerful about creating a forum and it could be facebook it could be linkedin it could be instagram i mean it could be a a dedicated network that you buy from a software vendor it could be your own product one of the really one of the superpowers at yammer was that we created a dedicated yammer network for all of our customer admins and that was the the yammer customer network Yammer customer community and so it's always a beautiful thing when you can be dog fooding your own product that way and use it to to nurture your own community. But, but, but however you do it, there's many ways to do it. You you really want to create that that space, that place for your customers to talk to each other because it galvanizes this this movement that you have, right? It it brings out the energy of your supporters, your customer base. It encourages people to share their enthusiasm, their their wins, their successes with your product. And mm-hmm. it's also a place nice for them to seek help or advice. Now, the the, the thing that I, the, the objection that I hear the most from founders is that sometimes they say, well, I don't necessarily wanna put all my customers in touch with each other. What if they start venting, you know, like we yeah. have customers who are upset about something or other, you know, maybe the product didn't work for them or, you know, there was a bug or it broke or whatever. and and Founders can be, I think, nervous about that, and I guess what I would just tell you is that the benefits outweigh the risks, um, yeah. because I think you'll you'll find that that the customers will help each other, and the next time that somebody has a problem, it's really cool to see one customer jump in and help another customer, uh, so that you don't even have to do it, and um, yeah, it really creates this this sense of. Um, of a larger movement, which is why it's it's one of the tactics that that I that I, I describe in the article.
0: Yeah. In your days on you know leading and building Yammer, you know, for you was it always a magical moment when you saw customers start interacting with each other and probably even sharing tips with each other on how to effectively use the product?
1: Absolutely. That I mean it's totally magical. And you know. And sometimes, um, and and, you know, I think one of the coolest things is when customers start describing to each other, their use cases and how they're um, realizing value from the product and, and, um, and ways, new ways to use the product
0: that you didn't even think of Um, that that's really neat. Wow. Wow, wow. No, that's amazing, that's amazing. And it, you know, I think it's every founder's dream to have their customers start actually be intertwined with each other and engaging mm-hmm. with each other to better the product and better the brand too at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, just create a place for them to go. So we, we have um, an amazing portfolio company called Trusted which is um, a, a marketplace for hospitals to hire nurses.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, they have a, a, their main community is a group on Facebook and it's a it's a Facebook group that where basically all the nurses and prospective nurses, they may not be on trusted yet, but they're look they're looking to learn more. And so they go on on this Facebook group and start asking each other questions. And you know, nurses who've used trusted start describing the product to 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 nurses who are interested, uh, basically prospects. And there's just no credi- more credible source of information than, than your own happy customers. Because whenever mm. you're trying to sell a new prospect, I mean, they're always gonna be a little bit skeptical of the claims that you make. I mean, after all, mm. you're trying to sell them and it's human nature to kind of resist being sold. And so they're always gonna be a little bit skeptical. But when when, when one of your happy customers acts as a reference and, and, and provides testimony that the product has worked great for them, that's very, very credible. And and so that's the kind of thing that, that, that that's another thing that a community will, will will bring out for you is that if you let happy customers start mixing with prospects, they'll start doing the sales for you.
0: Man, it, and it's it's that ma- it's a magical moment. I think that's what every founder like literally is going for. And you know, mm-hmm. in, in this day, I think what I love about how you think about movement marketing is that movement marketing almost kind of creates a new reality for your customers to live in, but you know you need founders who aren't afraid to be thought leaders at the helm to kind of visualize and, and, and say, hey, this is what this new reality looks like. And this is why you should join us versus us selling you. We're not going to sell it to you. You're going to join us in creating the movement and we can co-create it together. Right. Yeah. You've got to be willing as a
1: founder to evangelize for the movement. You know, you've got to evangelize for your product and for why it needs to exist in the world, why doing things a different way mm. uh, that your product enables is that, it, that it's that you're trying to move the world to a new way of doing things. Um, typically if you're if you're a founder of a startup, because startups have to do new things, right? Big established companies already own the existing ways of doing things. And so you've really got to evangelize. For a new way of doing things and you've got to figure out how to describe it in that way so one of the the things that i really encourage is for founders to to essentially attack the status quo right mm. I mean, every startup has an opponent but don't think of your opponent as being your competitors it's your opponent is always some version of the status quo right yeah. there's always, because if, if the status quo were perfect there'd be no need for the startup to exist right there's obviously yeah. something broken about the status quo, which is why you felt the need to create a new company. And you've got to just, you've got to kind of name what that enemy is. And so like, what again, what I, you know, the example I gave before with, with Mark Benioff is he named software as the enemy. Wow. Uh, which was very counterintuitive, right? Because was Benioff talking about all software yeah. or just the kind that has to be installed on, on servers. And, you know, because obviously Salesforce is a kind of software, but that to me is the kind of secondary uh, detail that can be explained later once you have someone's attention. What Benioff was trying to say is that software is the enemy because you've got to install it and then you got to bring IT in. And he was talking about the old way, that the pre-internet, pre-cloud way of doing software. And you know, he made that the enemy so that then when the cloud came along, he could describe moving to the cloud as this, you know, huge win for business. And so you've kind of got to figure out what, what is it about the, st- the status quo is always gonna be your enemy. The question is, what is it about the status quo that's mm. broken? Let's put a name on that. And then you go out and you start attacking that status quo. Now, I think as a startup, you're never attacking, you know, it, this is not politics. We're not mudslinging. We're not attacking people. We're trying to figure out some way to, of describing the status quo to indicate how, how painful and broken it is. So for example, at Yammer, you know, the, the 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 framing we came up with is that our enemy is the org chart, right? Mm. We're not saying you shouldn't have an org chart, but the org chart is too rigid to be the way that information flows in a company, right? Because if you just, if information only flows through the org chart, you're going to trap it, you're going to trap the information, it doesn't go where it needs to go, you're going to stifle dissent, you're going to create bureaucracy. And so Yammer was this idea that we could let anybody in the company talk to anybody else, like a social network, to share the information they need to get their jobs done. Mm. And so, you know, that, that, that was one framing that we came up with. Um, the, our description kept evolving. We always were, were seeking a better way of describing the problem. And the, the more vivid we can make the description, the more, um, the more intuitive our solution became, right? If you can get people to if you can get people to to buy into the problem they will just assume that you have the solution
0: mm. that's powerful man that, that's so powerful david and, and and you know for even for me uh, you know, as we're building our company guide you know we realize that you know the enemy isn't that there's not other software companies that build education com- education tech products it's really the fact that the status quo of traditional very you know default education standards that really don't optimize around quality that's the actual enemy and you know you kind of have to you kind of even when you're when you're pitching also when you're when you're kind of evangelizing the products like you have to tell everyone like you know hey like we love that lnd products exist that's cool and all but we believe right. that traditional education the fact that we still require people to go into schools to learn from experts and things like that. That's the fundamental enemy. So that's actually really powerful you say that because I think that can also, you know, I think in uh, Mark Benioff's case, it applies to Salesforce and software as a service, but it can also apply to any other industry. And a lot of founders um, should be able to see, okay, in your industry, what are the parallel enemies that aren't necessarily your competitors but are the status quo? Right, exactly. You should
1: treat your competitors as validation that the Mm. world is to your point of view because the the you know the the, the enemy is, is is this is some version of the status quo it's you know it, it's the way that you know traditional education works and you know the fact that that there's these other companies who maybe be your competitors is is validation that you know the world is starting to see the the, the problem the, the way that you do um, mm-hmm. and so if you're able to articulate why the status quo is broken if you're able to um, to, to describe the pain that users are feeling with the existing solutions, with the existing world. People, you know, and, and, and you can describe that so articulately that people say, wow, yeah, they really understand what I'm going through, going, you know, they really understand my problem. Again, you know, this is a point that, that, that Christopher Lockhead, a marketing guru, has pointed out is if, if they think that, that you've just nailed exactly the problem that, that they're experiencing, you must know the solution. They will give you credit for having the solution before you've even gotten to it. And then, then of course you can start to describe how your product works. But you know the, the mistake that I think a lot of founders make is they just want to jump into what their features are. and you know the, the, the average prospect or customer, there is a time to discuss features, but it's only after they believe that you understand their problem and, that, and then you can start to present the solution.
0: Amazing. Hey, founders, if you're listening and tuning in right now, please take notes. And more importantly, follow Mr. David Sachs and the movement that he's leading, our craft ventures. You know, David, You know, where can people continue to follow you? We know you're pretty active on Twitter, but where else can people kind of reach out to you to learn more about movement marketing?
1: Yeah. So I've um, I've been uh, blogging on Substack. So you can go to sax.substack.com and see my um, newsletters. Um, it's free, you know. Uh, <laughs> but so i you know I, I i've been writing blogs and uh and then you can join my mail list and you'll get emailed the blogs um or you can follow me on twitter and i'll post things there so yeah
0: and is there a, is there a hopeful book coming out around movement marketing man because it seems like you're really passionate about it man
1: well i'm 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 honestly thinking about a book on uh bottom-up SaaS mm. of which Improvement marketing would be one one piece of it. So my my blog on Substack is called Bottom Up, and um, and there's 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 a reason for that, um, which which I can go into if you want. Um, which is historically business software has been sold top down. You know mm-hmm. the 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 company creates software and then it tries to figure out who its buyer is, and they create lists of prospective buyers, and they call on those buyers, and it's a very top down sales process and starting with Yammer and then also I'd say uh, Box was another company that, that did this. We started going bottom up into the enterprise starting around 2008. And the way Yammer worked is that we didn't go after, we didn't go talk to the CIO. We just put the product out there and let any employee in the company sign up mm-hmm. and start spreading it inside their company. And then once we had hundreds or even thousands of users at that company, wow. then we went to the CIO and ask for a sale. And so Mm -hmm. it was a more bottom up way of creating a sale. And now that technique that Yammer and and Box pioneered a dozen years ago is being used by dozens or even hundreds of software companies where you use the average employee in the company as an entry point uh, to get into the company. And then, you know, once you start spreading, then you make the sale. so I call that bottom-up SaaS. Um, some other people have called it product-led growth. I think they're both mm-hmm. you know, useful ways of describing this. And so what I've tried to do in my blog is just kind of go through you know, all the techniques of bottom-up SaaS. And movement marketing is, is definitely one of the big ones. And so you know, I, it, uh, it, if I do get around to, to publishing the, the book, movement marketing will definitely be a chapter.
0: <laughs> it has to be. It has to be, and we yeah. look forward to having you back on and sharing more about it with us, man.
1: For sure, absolutely.
0: For sure. Thank you so much, David, for joining us today, and you know we really, really appreciate you. And you know, keep on leading your movement with Craft Ventures, man.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Tim, great, to, great to be with you. All right.
0: Awesome. Talk soon, David. Have a good one. Okay. Thank you. And that was the amazing David Zachs. That was the amazing David Sachs. Oh, my goodness. I can't speak today, y'all, because I'm currently in Culver City for some reason. Right. <laughs> with that said, thank you all so much for joining us. If you have any questions on movement marketing, David is definitely the guy to engage with on Twitter or even through LinkedIn. Make sure you check out what Crab Ventures is doing. If you are interested in leading your own movement and you fit their thesis, check it out at Craft Ventures. And more importantly, more importantly, think about what are you building right now that's challenging the status quo versus settling for the status quo? And how can you lead your movement by being vocal about it and more fundamentally being at the helm of your movement? And more importantly, using social media to get the word out. You know, I love Twitter. I love LinkedIn. I love other channels. But you are at the helm of your movement and you need to lead it. And realize hey the world is waiting on you if you're building something cool all right y'all with that said thanks so much for joining us if you've gotten your big black tea show us some love send me a picture a confirmation image or something on linkedin tag me on twitter tag me on instagram or even just send me a message in my dms i'm going to show you some love and highlight you for supporting us and more importantly being a part of our movement with guide all right y'all Talk soon. As always, peace, love, and abundance.